So hopefully you've made it there to Luke chapter 10. Follow along with me. I'll be reading verses 25 through 37, a bit of portion of scripture. So on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus, and he said, Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, he said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So then the man asks Jesus again, but he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down with from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these, Jesus is now asking the man, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Now let's jump to the book of Proverbs, shall we? Proverbs chapter 3, and you'll find the book of Proverbs there near the middle of your Bible, Proverbs chapter 3, and I'll begin reading in verse 27. Verse 27, Proverbs chapter 3. Again, if you find the book of Psalms right there in the middle of your Bible, just turn one book to the right and you'll find the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 27, and we'll camp out here the rest of the sermon. Wisdom tells us, Solomon wrote, he he wrote these words. He says, do not withhold good from those to whom it it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. Now there is probably a good chance that this week, maybe not this week, but maybe in a recent week, there's probably a good chance that you became upset or frustrated towards someone else because of their political or moral views. Maybe you're having a conversation with someone and you came to a point of disagreement 
and you just walked away from that conversation shaking your head a bit. A bit. Maybe you even rolled your eyes some toward that person. Maybe in the course of a conversation or, or maybe... Uh, hearing about someone else's view or their opinion. Maybe, maybe your disbelief of another person's opinion or, or the opinion that maybe they spouted out or broadcast, maybe it caused you to question whether or not that other person is truly a Christian. Maybe in the last couple of weeks you tossed your cell phone down in disgust after doom-scrolling... <laughs> Or maybe in one way or another, your heart has been heavy. Maybe your heart has been filled with sorrow at the endless bickering and debates. Can anyone relate with what I just described there? Well, during the month of July, we're walking through a teaching series titled Faithful Living in Divided Times. And our hope is that During this time, during this season, we can be rightly equipped to remain faithful followers of Jesus Christ and to live in such a way that other people will glorify our Heavenly Father in heaven through the lives that we live out in front of them and doing so even in divided times. Do you sense the division of the world in which we live? Does it concern you? Are you heartbroken over it? Are you, is your heart maybe longing for heaven? <laughs> Have you found yourself praying that Jesus would return, maybe even sooner than he was planning? So during the month of July, we're going to spend some time, and again, during the month of July, here in a couple weeks, we'll be joining together with Grace Fellowship Church again, and Pastor Andy will be, partaking in, will be taking part in this series. Pastor Dan is going to preach as well in this series, and and we just want to try to help us as believers, because I think all of us at some point, we just kind of throw our hands up in the air and we say, I don't know how to respond to these people. I don't know what to do. And our hearts, sadly, our hearts become hardened toward the very people we should be loving. So this morning, the big idea is this. It's to start by loving your neighbor next door. That's where we want to begin as we think about equipping ourselves how to live in these divisive times. And really the big idea is this, is begin right there at home. Begin with your neighbors. Now there are a few overarching truths that I think we need to remember as we walk through this teaching series, and and I just want you to listen to these. I don't have these up on the PowerPoint, but listen to some of these truths. The first truth is that we are citizens of an eternal kingdom. Okay, so so we have to remind ourselves that even when every, even when the world seems to be falling apart, to be imploding and caving in on itself, itself, we need to remind ourselves that we are citizens of an eternal kingdom that the troubles of this world cannot touch. So with that thought in mind, we should not lose heart. As well, we need to remind ourselves that the gospel, Jesus tells us that the gospel, that, that if you follow Jesus, it will divide. 
it will be a dividing point even within families. I know some of us in here, those of you who follow Jesus Christ, maybe you have brothers or sisters, maybe you have sons or daughters, grandsons or granddaughters, nieces or nephews, aunts or uncles, you understand that division, don't you? And so we have to remind ourselves that the gospel is indeed going to divide, but as well, another overarching truth is that we are ambassadors of Christ, is that just because the gospel divides us doesn't mean that we give up on our job of being an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And then really the fourth overarching truth is this, is that the issue at hand ultimately is a spiritual issue. That the the division that we are experiencing in this world is a spiritual issue. And how do we fight spiritual battles? Through prayer, right? Through prayer. In fact, we should probably be spending more time in prayer than we are scrolling through our phones. And so I I present those overarching truths because I don't want you to think that once we get through to the end of this teaching series, I don't want you to to have such hopeful ambitions that we'll get through this teaching series, you'll be equipped, you'll go put it all into practice with the idea that then finally you'll be able to sing Kumbaya with those neighbors. That's right, those neighbors, right, that you just can't stand. Okay, so I don't want you to have to think that this is going to make everything better in this world. It's not, but still that doesn't change our response. So now we're going to turn our attention here to Proverbs chapter 3. Again, as we've mentioned, we are living in deeply divisive times. It's a season in which even our neighbors, we're finding ourselves at odds with one another. We understand the political climate. We understand the the social justice climate, we understand the economic climate, we understand the lingering concerns of COVID-19, we understand the recent Supreme Court decisions that have come down, and so much of that has indeed been incredibly divisive, and the news cycles and the social media feeds are not helping us at all. We're erecting privacy fences around our homes in hopes of keeping the disagreeable on the other side. And the sad reality is that in different ways we're erecting privacy fences or barriers around our hearts toward other people. So this morning the encouragement is going to be to start by loving your neighbor next door. And so the Proverbs, again, we see Jesus, he tells us there in in Luke chapter 10, we see that we're familiar with the parable about the Good Samaritan Who's my neighbor? And then here in Proverbs chapter 3, we have some very helpful insight. Look here with me, won't you? There at verse 27. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. And and really, here's the first word of instruction that wisdom gives us, is that we should be generous in our goodness. Generous in our goodness. Look there at verse 27. We're told, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. 
Now, we've been talking about this in recent weeks, right? Some of you are, are you're, you're wearing the, the yellow wristbands, and you got special, you, you'll get a special sticker or something maybe one day for wearing that band. But we're, we're, we're emphasizing here this summer to be about the business of doing good works. And here again, Solomon gives us this instruction that we should be generous in our goodness, because in our neighborhoods, we are agents of God's goodness. We are living and breathing testimonies that God is generously good to us. And so therefore, you and I should be generous in doing good to other people. The Bible actually tells us that it is our responsibility. Did you catch that? It's our responsibility to do good to others. It's our obligation. God has entrusted us with good gifts to our care and stewardship for the purpose of offering these good gifts, this goodness to other people. You might remember a few weeks ago, right, I had the the never-ending soda bottle up here. And again, so, so we can be, always be generous in our goodness towards others because God is, is, is that constant wellspring of goodness to us. In the New Testament, we're instructed to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous to share, to be generous and, and ready to share. And so if you or I, if we have the capability and the opportunity to be generous to others, then we should do so. In fact, we get the sense that we are in disobedience to the Lord when we know the right thing to do, but we, we refuse to do it. When we know what needs to be done, but we fail to act. James tells us this, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin so Solomon is helping us wisdom here from the Proverbs. When he's helping, reminding us that when you look out your window and when you see your neighbor in need, we should respond in a helpful way. How do you respond when you see your neighbor in need? Do you quietly try to back away from the window, hoping that maybe they didn't see you peeking out the window? Or do you run over to try to lend a helping hand. And the timing. Here in Proverbs, the timing is important because we're instructed. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you, that we should, we should be immediate in our response to, to do good. That if, if there's something that we can do to help someone else, we shouldn't put it off tomorrow till tomorrow. We should do it right now, today. Now, some of you might be familiar around our house. Uh, if you stopped at our house in the last couple of months, you know that we had a whole gaggle of kittens. And right, how many of you came and pet? Some of you came and pet some of those kittens, didn't you? Right. And uh, and we had all of these kittens. And of course, we were gone for a month. And and Trent and Caleb did a great job of loving on those kittens. And the kittens were still there when we came home. I'm not sure if we were excited or disappointed about that, but there they were. And of course, thank praise the Lord. He miraculously helped us get rid of them uh, by giving them to other people, not in other means. But but I had a had a unique experience 
with these kittens to help illustrate this point that someone was generous in their goodness to me. About a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, I met a gentleman at Bob Evans uh, up here off Hurstbourne. And uh, it was an early morning, and so I got out, got, you know, got in the car, and um, because we have all these kittens, you know, I banged on the hood a couple times, and I honked the horn just to make sure to scare them away. And so I drove out, went, and it's about a 20, 25-minute drive from our house to this Bob Evans. So I went and had breakfast with Bob Evans, not with Bob Evans, but at Bob Evans. I went and had breakfast, and as, I, as I'm coming out from breakfast... There's a man looking underneath my car. And I walked up and I said, can I help you, sir? And he looks up at me and he said, there are kittens underneath your car. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. Kind of acting as if kittens, who would know anything about kittens? (laughs) Certainly not me. I said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, no, seriously. He said, there are three kittens walking and wandering underneath your car. And I said, oh, man. I said, I have to be honest with you, sir. I said, those are my kittens. <laughs> I said, they clearly uh, rode in the engine somehow the 20 to 25-minute trip from our house to Bob Evans And while I'm inside dining, they crawl out, but they didn't leave outside from the perimeter of our car. They just stayed underneath the shadow of our car. There's a sermon illustration there too. But they stayed underneath that shadow for the next... And this guy, he was so super helpful. I even offered one of the kittens to him out of my generosity. He didn't take one though. But he helped me, and I'm telling you what, it took us 15 minutes to chase those kittens. I had to get my extended ice scraper, you know, that was there in the car. I'm I'm laying on the ground trying to fish these things out, chase them over to him so he can catch them. Finally, we caught them, and I thanked him so much. And I threw them in my car, and so I'm driving down Hurstbourne at this stoplight with these cats crawling all over the car. And I'm thinking... I'm like weirdo, you know, these other people are going to think, this dude is weird. What's this guy's problem? But I say that because in a very simple way, that man did not have to help me, did he? He could have just said, good luck, buddy. (laughs) Weirdo, go for it, man. But he helped me. Someone else tried to help because there were two sausages from Bob Evans behind my rear tire. Someone tried to coax them out too. But he didn't have to help, but he did. And, it was, and that's such a very simple, simplistic example. But that's just a way where someone saw this need and he said, I'm going to step into it and I'll be generous in goodness. Unfortunately, I've been caught far too many times of seeing a need that needed to be done, even of having good intentions, but I never followed up on those good works. Hear me on on this, church. Our good intentions are a poor substitute for our good works. Our good intentions are a poor substitute for our good works. Your need, if your neighbor's need is today, Proverbs tells us, lend them a hand. 
What a joy it is to be used by God in such a way that you can help your neighbor during their hour of need. Now, because of our proximity to our neighbors, we can be the first to offer a helping hand. And we see this then in in, in verse 10. He says, do not forsake your friend or friend of your family and do not give to your relative's house when, do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor who's nearby than a a relative who's far away. In other words, when your neighbors are in that point of need, are they quick, are they comfortable enough to give you a call? If you were to move from your neighborhood in the middle of the night, would your neighbors miss you? So God is generous and he is timely in his goodness to us and we're to do the same to our neighbors, being generous and doing good things to them. And so then Proverbs goes on and he gives us another word of instruction here. We should be trustworthy in our motives. Look here in verses 29 and 30. Solomon continues, he, intru- he instructs us to be, trust- be a trustworthy neighbor. Here's what he says. He says, do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. How you and I interact with our neighbors should put them at ease. They should walk away from us assured that we have their best interest and their security in mind. Let me say that again. How we interact with our neighbors should put them at ease. Our neighbors should be able to walk away from us assured that we have their best interest and their security in mind. You and I, we have a unique responsibility toward our neighbors to earn and to maintain their trust. How are you putting forth the effort to earn and maintain the trust of your neighbors? What are you doing to be building that relationship? So often it is easy whether you live in an apartment complex, whether you live in a patio home, whether you live in in a a freestanding home all by itself, it is so easy to just walk in that door, shut the door behind you, and never have any interaction with your neighbors. It's easy, isn't it? And unfortunately, we tend to do that. But Solomon, the wisdom here tells us that that we should be intentional in building those relationships and helping our neighbors know that they are safe and that we can they can trust us so what are you doing to get to know them how are you spending time with them how are you being intentional with having conversations with them how are you going out of your way to offer to help them? How are you offering to maybe care for their dogs when they're on vacation or, or mow their grass when they're gone for, for an extended period, period of time? Many of us have experienced, we understand the anxiousness that comes when a new, ma- a, a new neighbor moves into our neighborhood. Right? We understand that anxiousness, but in, in these situations, we do sometimes wonder, 
What, what's that, what, what type of neighbor are they going to be like? Are they going to be loud and obnoxious? Will they mow their lawn in a timely manner? Are they going to take care of their house? Will they be friendly? Do they have children? Can their children play with my children? Do I want their children playing with my children? <laughs> are they going to have late night parties? Are they going to allow broken down cars to sit in their front yards on four cinder blocks? Right? Do they have dogs? Are they going to leave their Christmas lights up, their de- Christmas decorations up all, all year round? We understand, right? The, the list could go on and on. And maybe in your mind, you're adding to that list, thinking about your neighbors, right? Ultimately, we're wondering, are we going to feel safe living next to these people, next door to them? I think really the best question to ask is, do they feel safe living next to me? Solomon tells us that our neighbors should have reason to trust us. They should trust us in our motives. They should trust us in our thoughts toward them. They should trust that our thoughts toward them are pure and commendable. The truth of the matter is, is that we can be generous in our good works toward our neighbors, but yet in our minds we can still be maintaining impure thoughts or motives about them. The great danger that's being addressed in these verses is our tendency at times to form prejudices and accusations in our minds before we even have a cause or reason to assign such labels. Solomon says in these verses, don't accuse anyone for any reason. For when they have done you, no harm. It's easy, isn't it, for us to form those walls, to form those barriers before they've even done anything against us. Then what happens is is these sinful prejudices and accusations, they keep us from loving our neighbors as we should. They keep us from allowing our neighbors to live trustfully and securely next door. And I think your neighbors, as Jesus tells us there in the parable of Luke, our neighbors extend beyond just next door, but anyone that we come in contact with within our community. Here in recent days, now that our garden has bloomed and it's starting to bear fruit and vegetables, we set that little, a little vegetable stand up out near the road and I send the children out there because they're still cute and I send the children out there to woo the people in to buy our vegetables. And we've had some, some wonderful conversations with our neighbors through this vegetable stand. It's a way, yes, I enjoy the thrill of making a dollar off of a zucchini. But even more so, I just enjoy getting to know my neighbors through it. And one lady in particular, uh, I've probably mentioned her maybe to some of us recently, but one lady and her husband in particular are from Iraq. They're not believers. In fact, it's very evident from how, how the wife dresses that they are most likely Muslim. And she will often bring chicken feed, leftover food scraps from their table, and she'll bring it, and she sets it right out there near one of our trees in a bag. And when I see that bag out there, I just go pick it up, and I take it to the chickens, and we've had conversations with them. 
In fact, sometimes I've opened that bag up and it's still, the food is still warm. I mean, it's like it's just from their table. And I think, I bet that tastes really good. The chickens will never know. <laughs> just steal a bite. This past Thursday, she stopped by and um, had an extended conversation with Marin. She has a six-month-old young boy, a little boy. And it's, she's a mother who her husband works long hours. 12-hour days, five days a week, probably six days a week, maybe even. Works such long hours. She is an exhausted mother. She's, she, here's what she did. She shows up, and you know what she does? She hands the baby to Marin. <laughs> and so they're having a conversation. Cutest little kid. And so they're having a conversation, and I went, and, and I joined in, into the conversation. And by this, this point in time, the, she, the, the mother was holding the baby again. And so when I pop in and join the conversation, it was not 10 seconds. She hands the baby to me. <laughs> Says, here, hold him. Isn't he cute? <laughs> and I thought to myself, what an opportunity to build trust with our neighbor in this moment. What an opportunity. And I had, it was crazy house. It was crazy at our house right now. We had so much going on and I had, we had people coming over and just like in 15 minutes, they actually got there when we were still having a conversation with this woman. There was so much going on, but I thought in this moment, this is what is most important And I could have said, you know what, you're, you're not the same religion as me. I could, I could have thought of all these different reasons to put up these prejudices. But she's my neighbor. And Jesus' instruction there in Luke chapter 10, Solomon's instruction here to us is it doesn't matter what political view that person has. It doesn't matter what religious view that person has. We are called to love them. We are called to, to treat them in such a way where they can trust us even if we have our various disagreements in all of these other areas. The next, the third one then is this, to be peaceful in our practice. To be peaceful in our practice. Solomon's teaching continues then in 31. He says, do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. For the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. So the wisdom in these verses instructs us to keep our lives free from violent, harmful, or oppressive practices and attempting to get our own way. As believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be peaceful men and women. Those who are violent, who are loud and obnoxious, those who are argumentative, who are malicious, who are backbiters, swindlers, arrogant, deceitful, those who are filled with greed, who are gossips and prideful, they act in ways that, that are unbecoming of the Christian life. In those ways, not only should we not act when we're in person with someone else, but when we are online with someone else. The actions we display toward our neighbors 
should instead display the fruit of the Spirit. It should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In fact, the author of Hebrews, he goes on, he pushes it even a little further. He says that we should make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See, that command there in the book of Hebrews is to continually press hard. It's to to move energetically toward the goal of pursuing peace. We should be like the hound dog that is constantly chasing and barking and, and going after peace. It's not a passive act. Instead, it's something that's very intentional. So rather than forcing or demanding our way, we should entrust our families and, the, and our homes to the blessing of God. We should be completely satisfied, and we see this here, okay? So, so when, when, we are, when we find ourselves at odds and disagreement with our neighbors, how should we respond? It doesn't mean that we shouldn't stand on our convictions, but it does mean that we should be civil in our discourse, Right, sometimes, right, some, it seems like you can stand for your convictions, but you lack civility, and, and at times you feel like those who, who have civility lack, lack any convictions. We're called to be both. And to not want to be violent, not even have any sense of violence in our hearts toward others. And why can we be peaceable toward those, toward our neighbors in these types of situations? Solomon tells us, because the Lord blesses the home of the righteous. See, when we find ourselves satisfied in God's blessing, whatever form that be may be, we are released from the enslavement that comes from always having to have to win an argument or get our way. Why should we envy those of this world who don't experience God's blessing? Instead, we should be peaceable people because we know that God blesses us. Jesus, when he was preparing his disciples for his departure, he comforted them this, with these words. You might remember these words in John 14. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So toward our neighbors, toward those whom we disagree with, We should be peaceful in our practice, which means we can refrain from being argumentative toward our neighbors who disagree with us. There are times that we can be more concerned about winning an argument than winning their heart. It doesn't mean that we're not standing for conviction. And I don't want you to walk out here and just think that we should just roll over dead. But I think there's a way in which we don't have to be blatantly and always arguing and demanding. Did you know that it's okay to still be engaged in conversations with your neighbors even when you disagree? Just because we disagree doesn't mean we have to then disengage from them. We can, forgive, we can quickly forgive neighbors who wrong us or ask their forgiveness when we wrong them. 
If we're going to be someone who's pursuing that peace with them, we can refuse to participate in gossip over the back fence about our neighbors or other social media channels. We can genuinely rejoice when our neighbor gets a job promotion and a big pay raise. We can help our neighbors in the backyard project they were working on. We can be gracious when our neighbor, <laughs> we can be gracious to them even when our neighbor neglects to clean up after their dog in our front yard. Has that ever happened to you? We can share our meals with neighbors who do not share our same beliefs. We can be filled with sorrow when our neighbor loses a loved one. We can offer a hug to a neighbor whose son might be battling a drug addiction or struggling through another difficult situation. We can love those neighbors who maybe even at times slander your reputation. And most importantly, we can commit ourselves to regularly praying for our neighbors and doing so by name. But in order to be able to pray for your neighbors by name, you have to know who they are. And why can we do this? Solomon says because God blesses the home of the righteous. And so we can be peaceful in our practice toward others. Church, God has given us a great privilege. I think a lot of us get frustrated and upset at concerns that are far outside of our scope of influence, don't we? Right? We fill our minds with news headlines. We fill our minds with social media feeds. We fill our, our minds with with talk shows and news talk shows or podcasts dealing with issues and matters that, that ultimately I have very little opportunity to change. But here we have a place to start. This is an opportunity that you can do something about. That you can minister to your neighbors that you can be generous in your good works to them that you can build trust with them so that that when they're talking about you and you're not around that they they're saying things like that is a trustworthy person i don't mind giving my house keys to them and that we can pursue peace with them and we do all of this because ultimately Jesus is indeed the greatest neighbor, isn't he? Jesus set for us the example of what it looks like to love your neighbor. We're not called to live in isolation from our, our neighbors. Instead, we are instructed to live lovingly toward our neighbors. At times, we cast grand visions of ministry all the while neglecting to love our neighbors living next door to us. And some of the greatest opportunities are just a walk across our backyard. So what opportunities are you going to do today? How are you going to take this and apply it? I trust that all of us will be challenged by this.